Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Welcome to the Young Businessman of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I want to welcome you to podcast number 82. Uh, Today is an exciting day for me, and I know I say that a lot, but uh, anytime I can interview people that uh, I've known for a long period of time and kind of got to see them out in the real world uh, just working away and and being a rock star at it. I'm really excited to have those kinds of people on the podcast. This uh this podcast today uh I have the honor of having my friend John Bunn on the podcast and he is the uh founder of Redeemed Productions and Weddings of Tulsa and uh I'm excited to share his story with you guys because we've always talked on our podcast about uh different uh, aspects of entrepreneurship, getting started on entrepreneurship. Uh, we talked this last week about funding, uh, getting funding for your business. And so there's all these starting your business types of conversations or leadership of those kinds of things. But as we've kind of evolved a little bit, I'm excited to bring some content a little bit further along in your business. And so uh, what John has done is he's been in, been in the wedding ph- photography and video production business for over 10 years now. And he's actually going through a little bit different phase of his business. And it's the growth phase, but also the more focused phase. And so this is going to be, for me, a a wonderful topic. Uh, I don't want to share too much because I want John to to do a lot of the talking about it. So, John, say hello to the audience. And if you don't mind, give them a little bit of a history of yourself because I I know I didn't do the best job of that. Sure. Hi. Hi, everybody out there in the interwebs (laughs) world. Um, Yeah, a little history about myself. I'll give you the, the Cliffs Notes version. I uh, grew up in a small town, northeast Oklahoma, 2,500 people. Went to um, Oral Roberts University here in town in Tulsa uh, and then started working at a church in the video production. I always thought video production was really cool. Um, was at the school at ORU and did an internship at a local church. Got got hired there right after um, school was over and worked in their video production department. And uh, one of the youth leaders was getting married. And they said, hey, we've seen your videos in our, like I was doing video production for the kids services. So it was really just slapstick, like a little handheld camera (laughs) with a little tape in it and, you know, filming little episodes for the kids, you know, two or 300 kids in these services. So we had, um, you know, a video production team of volunteers and um, these people, these crazy people said, hey, would you film our wedding? And I went to Google, uh, which was new at the time. This was uh, 2005. So I went to Google and typed in wedding videography Tulsa and like saw these terrible, terrible excuses for videos with animated rose petals falling down and champagne glasses twirling. And, um, was, I went back to the couple and I was like, Hey, if you want me to make something like that, I can't do it because it's even worse than what I do. (laughs) It was so bad. You could not not find anything good out there. And I've always been, um, very entrepreneurial. I was selling things from baseball cards and beanie babies which I made money on. Uh, no, I didn't make money on that. Um, and then uh, lemonade stands and just always very 
uh, into, you know, monopoly and games of any kind of thing that um, I could, you know, slowly build and then build an empire, you know? And so I was like um, really interested by the fact of this wedding. So um, I told them, Hey, I could film it, but uh, I can't do it like what you would see on Google. And they said, what about if you just do whatever you want? And so um, I was like, yeah, I can do that. And they're like, we'll, they're like, we'll give you a, a 500 bucks or something. And I was just like jaw on the ground. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? You will give me money <laughs> to film your wedding. So I did it all. I mean, I filmed the rehearsal. I filmed the bachelor party. I, fil I filmed like 40 hours of filming, um, spent a month editing it. And um, it was just a blast. Like I fell in love with the story, with the love, you know, and this is a day where like HD didn't exist yet. It was all handy cam little tapes in it and um, you know, but it was just so much fun for me to like have this live event and they, you know, I, I, I showed them the video, they loved it, um, which it's really fun to go back and look at it now. Um, so the couple loved it and it was very like, I, I fell in love with the idea of like this live event. Um, I've always been interested in video production, always been interested in, in business. And it was like um, right after their wedding, one of their friends was getting married. And so it was like this thing where they're like, oh, my gosh, I love their wedding video. Can you film mine? And I was like, oh, my, maybe I can make some money at this thing. And so fast forward a couple of years later, I was full time at the church and had like 15 wedding films on the list to do. Wow. And was just like had to make this decision, you know, whether or not I would, it would continue working at the church or start my own thing. And I um, after talking with my wife a lot and figuring, you know, we've jumped in in 2009 full time into running uh, Redeemed Productions full-time in that first year, I think that we did 35 or 40 wedding videos that year. So um, it's taken us in the last 11 years now, it's taken us um, to, I think, 20 plus states filming all over the country. Wow. Um, we've been, you know, to Hawaii and California and Oregon and Montana and Colorado, all the cool states. Um, and we've built this brand, this niche brand, you'd never know who Redeems Productions was um, if you weren't in the wedding industry, but um, we built this brand around um, me, my personality, um, where people are willing to pay to, to fly me out all over the country. Um, and so it's been this really fun thing, turning it from this extra you know, room in my apartment kind of studio to um, at one point, 12 employees. And, uh, you know, it just this it was really cool to see. And it's been a really cool endeavor to go from kind of doing it to like working full time to being able to really take care of my family. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's the basics of what got us to where we are today. I know there's so much more. Yeah, it's so hard. I mean, it's yeah. the, the funny thing is, uh, so I've known you, ah, man, I want to say five plus years, six years or something yeah. like that. It's been, it's been a little bit of a while, but when I first met you, uh, I was just, I was just overwhelmed by the amount of, um, irons that you had in the fire. Uh -huh. And I was sitting there going, if there's a guy that's an entrepreneur, it's John, because just all the different little, like from equipment rentals that you had to, uh, ticket sales to, uh, weddings of Tulsa yep. to redeem productions, like all these different things. And I'm sitting here going, I am not doing enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like I, I love how, like, your mind worked in terms of just like, I, if I can get these additional channels that are pretty close to what I'm passionate about, what I do, it actually mm -hmm. helps fund everything else. And so that kind of got my mind clicking a little bit. Yeah. So uh, I would say that you definitely inspired me with that. But oh. I, what I also thought was really cool was that you were a sidepreneur for about 
about four years. Mm -hmm. And so you were still doing your hustle, but you, you found this, this hobby that you enjoyed doing and, or something that you were, that, that you were talented at, but it kept growing. And you just, you started to see the life that was, was being breathed into this thing. And I know you said it was a tough decision, but I almost feel like it was a no brainer decision in some capacity, because when you had 15 weddings that you're trying to schedule around and you're like, you know what, my real job is getting in the way of this next thing. I think that at that point, the the decision doesn't, isn't as difficult as you would think it would be, but it's, it's, it's a little scary, right? There's that, oh, there's that fear of like the, the, my net goes away. Uh, yeah. I mean, so at that time, you know, uh, I was working at, at the church and full time there. And I had, you know, I didn't talk a ton about all of the things I was doing, but at one point I had lots of different facets to what redeemed productions was doing. I had built this youth football league, kind of monopoly here in town. I was filming um, the youth football league in, in Tulsa. There's a lot of like first to fifth grade dads that will pay money to have you film their kids games. Yes. And the team that their kid is playing next week and the yes. next week and the team. And so at one point we would be filming 60 or 70 football games every Saturday with 20 my, people. My kid's football team is one of those yes. teams. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, we were, you know, I had that going on on Saturdays. And so like this side hustle, I would shoot, football games for eight or nine hours on Saturday, get home, import all the footage for another eight or nine hours, wake up two or three hours later, go work at the church on Sunday, come home, deliver DVDs in the parking lot at Kmart to coaches. And it was people thought we were doing drug deals. It was, it was <laughs> crazy, but I don't know. I just fell in love with this idea of like being able to generate something from nothing. And like, I would see these needs and be like, well, if I, I could do that. And I was just not afraid to work. And so yeah. Um, sooner or later though, we had this football, like, I mean, so the football league itself, we were filming somewhere around 500 games in 10 weeks usually. And Holy cow. we created this game library. So we had coaches, 10, 20 coaches a day calling saying, Hey, do you have game film on third grade broken arrow black? And I'm like, sure you do. I sure do 50 bucks. You want to meet me? And I mean, I was selling thousands of dollars of these things. <laughs> like every week I was bringing five, 10 grand in just by football game out of nowhere. And so I hated it because I didn't like dealing with football coaches and stuff. So I ended up selling that sooner or later. And um, I did graduations. I did, you know, there's all kinds of things. We had 13 dance recitals that we did at one point. Oh my. 10,000 dance moms wanting DVDs. I mean, we you were have just, to love it if you're recording other people's kids dance recitals. Yes. And it was <laughs> generating hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, but I hated it. So, um, you know, that was part of the curve for me was, I mean, just the idea that like to, the, the hunt, the kill, the earning the money, that was what was so exciting to me as an entrepreneur is like, oh my goodness, if I can, you know, land a big dance studio, they'll, you know, buy 500 DVDs at $50 a piece. It's like 25 grand for, you know, and it's like my mind just couldn't comprehend that, you know, growing up from where I did. But um, sooner or later, the wedding side of things, I kept charging more and more and more. And so, you know, for football season, October or September, October, November, um, I was losing money by selling 50 football games a weekend. Wow. And I was like, wait a second, this isn't like, maybe I could, you know, um, sell the football thing, own a percentage of it and get paid still. So I sold it to another local guy and took a percentage of it for a certain number of years until he fully owned it. But um, got a big, nice payday and got rid of it. And so um, I did the same thing with the dance recitals too. So two years ago was the first year that we did nothing but weddings. 
and it, it really got down to, um, you know, we kept raising the prices and kept wanting to raise the quality. And we, at one point were shooting 70, 80 weddings a year. And we've paired that way back now. So it's, it's pretty cool to, you know, I, I was really excited, you know, I'm 33 years old now and, you know, my twenties to thirties, which is so excited about just generating money. Um, not even so much as paying myself, but just generating business was so much fun. And that was the goal. Um, that after a while I realized I was generating so much, but had to have just this huge staff to like, you know, handle it all. And I was spending all this extra time, you know, doing things to take care of them more so than like really focusing in on what it is, you know, that brought happiness and fulfillment to me. So that was kind of the next chapter and what I've been working on now. So, yeah, well, I love how you brought up quality because you can't charge more for a wedding, especially that kind of event, unless you have a high quality product. And I think when we talked earlier, you even said the word working towards excellence. And I think that that's really the important thing when we're talking about this next phase is that there's a lot of ideas out there to help you generate money. You can have all these different hustles going on uh, and and bringing money in. But what I want to kind of narrow down into is that excellence part, because that's what's allowing you to trim down your staff, do less weddings, and be more focused on the actual time that you spend on these events and people are willing to pay for it. So can you talk a little bit about the progression towards excellence um, from maybe – and maybe not your first wedding video, but maybe in the last five years where it was really starting to grow and then uh, and then to the point where you said, okay, we need to start trimming this down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, at one point my life looked like 12 employees, like including myself, so interns and um, all these other staff you know, members. And somewhere around, we added photography five years ago to our wedding business. And so like we were shooting somewhere video or photo around a hundred weddings, also doing 13, 14 dance studios here in Tulsa. Um, We were doing 50 to 70 football games a weekend. And then we were doing all kinds of other photography as well. Um, So it was a lot. And also I was, I started a, like a, my gear for all my cameras. I was renting it out during the week. Um, We, I randomly got into like buying concert tickets, which you were talking about earlier. Um, I bought some Justin Timberlake tickets and just saw how much they were selling online for. And I was like, well, maybe I'll try to sell those. And I sold them for a ton more than I bought them. So I was just like buying dozens and dozens of tickets at one point. Like that was a a great fun time, but it was also like, it made it where I couldn't really focus on anything really well at at once. And so over the last um, several years, you know, I couldn't support my family with just the weddings because there wasn't enough coming in. So to fill in gaps, I did whatever I needed to do, which I don't think is a bad thing. But as we started raising the prices and charging, you know, a lot more for wedding films, and just to give the listeners kind of a reference, you know, our average video is somewhere between seven and $10,000 now, and our average photos are five to $8,000, somewhere in there. So, you know, when you're talking about somebody spending $12,000 on a wedding video, you can't kind of be doing it anymore. You've got to be completely focused. And so, Um, As our business and our brand has grown, we have constantly raised the quality and I've had to peel more and more things off. So instead of shooting 100 weddings like we did three years ago, this year we're going to shoot about 45 weddings. And we've we've peeled everything off except for Redeemed Production shooting wedding photography and wedding videography. I mean, everything. I don't sell tickets. I don't rent gear. I don't film football games. I don't do dance recitals. None of that. 
And that's really hard for an entrepreneur. Like that's really hard. It, it was a really hard transition to go from 12 employees um, down to what I have now. But I really, um, as we started raising the prices, instead of doing 100 weddings, when you're doing 40, you don't need as many staff. So I've been able to trim our budget um, by about 80% in the last year. And so wow. um, the numbers though, which is the fun part for me, have stayed the same and gone up, but I have 80% less overhead. So I'm able to take 80% more money home or put it into my business. And so um, it's just really been this uh, for the last decade, you know, I haven't had an inbox with zero on it. And so um, as of December, I moved from our 12 employees. And uh, during the summertime, we were able to peel back to six. And in December, I was able to peel back to myself and one part-time employee. And that's it. We have wow. con contract shooters and some contract editors, but we just fundamentally changed everything to where um, we did whenever I'm shooting, you know, on the video side this year, we'll shoot 21 weddings. And so I can, I can shoot those and edit those. I don't need two editors full time anymore. Um, and the money that's coming in is, is generated and I don't have to shoot a wedding every single weekend. I'm getting more time with my family. I'm getting um, those things. And so um, it's really cleared up my mind to think even bigger than before. Um, and I'm much more mature, I guess, so in the business side of things, instead of just being like, oh, I have an idea, I'm going to go start this. Or, oh. And I think that's a fault of a lot of us entrepreneurial people is like, oh, I, I can I can make money doing that. Uh, I can make money doing that. And so I've had to really, um, I've told my wife, you know, like 90 days of an idea before it's actually something that I will <laughs> continue, you know, go on with. So um, we've really, you know, like the excellent side of things, um, you know, we are producing Hollywood you know, style wedding cinematic videos. They're not just an uncle with his camera on his arm and a light in your face. I mean, we're using drones, we're using uh, dolly tracks, we're using 4K cameras, we're using high-end microphones. We're, you know, we're telling a story. We're, I mean, it's not uh, your average, you know, video. We're shooting sometimes 16 hours on the wedding day, um, three, four camera operators, just all, I mean, and, you know, we are constantly fine tuning what we do and being able to show people this is what a high end experience is like. And so um, I would much rather make the same amount of money on 20 weddings as I would on 100 weddings. And so it's the same thing in any kind of business, really. I mean, um, and everybody's business model is different. You might be selling something a little different. But with what we wanted to do is we wanted to produce like a boutique high end brand that. Um, 15, 20 weddings a year pays us a six figure, you know, type income. Um, and so that's, that's where it's kind of gotten with us. It's like, I can do a much better job for my 30 clients a year instead of doing a pretty good job for a hundred clients a year. Yeah. Well, I think what, what you're talking about a lot here is the value of your time. And I think sometimes people get hung up in like, they don't think that they're worth what they're truly worth. And so they're afraid to charge for that or, or they're afraid uh, to ask for that because they're in this mentality of, I just need to get as much in as I possibly can. And they look at the value of the product of what maybe the market is charging. But th when you're able to put that much more into it and you have, you know, 10 plus years of expertise and um, a, a completely different approach to it, sometimes there's not a model for what you should charge for that. And so it, part of it is just believing in yourself and believing in the product. And then also recognizing that you only have so much time. I have the same amount of time that you have, uh, as far mm -hmm. as I know. And, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> 
and so. when when we have the same amount of time, it's it's how are you best using it? And so uh, you're able to trim down the amount of employees you have, which means I don't know if you've ever experienced uh, em- employee challenges. So there's less of that, okay. right? I, I have run into that once or twice. <laughs> so there's less drama. There's less management. There's less, um, you know, creative differences, whatever it may be. And you have this more time. And, and you even said you have more time to spend with your family too, which I think is probably, that's the, that's really the reason that we work. And I think sometimes as entrepreneurs, we get hung up in the, the thrill of the hunt, right? Oh, and, yeah. and that's where our life comes from. That's where we're really uh, excited. And then we go home and then we've already used up all of our energy and we go home and we have nothing left to give our families. And so at some point you recognize, hey, there's there's a value too in, in terms of me saying no to, every, to my family. There's a cost there. And mm-hmm. Granted, you had the excellence and the expertise to back, to back it up, but I think it's it's important uh, for entrepreneurs listening to this to recognize that the value of your time is more than just the expertise or the amount of time that you put into it. It's also the amount of things that you're saying no to in that project as well because your time is valuable and you need to be confident in the amount of time that you have and what you're willing to charge for it because I believe you're a, a prime example. People are willing to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think... Like for me, there's not there's not not too many people that are charging more than what I'm charging um, in this you know part of the country for their wedding films or photography. So we had to show the value of what we could bring and show the value. Um, and I will say this: like we get um, you know a lot of inquiries to to hire us, and I would say about 90 out of 100 don't book us. And I I have a really hard time with that. like I have. <laughs> A hard time with somebody you know that is wanting to pay thousands of dollars but it's still not even half of what they really need to be paying and there have been countless times where you know you only get 52 Saturdays in a year if you're a wedding person and most right. weddings happen on Saturdays and so there was this one year May 19th was the Saturday and like this bride was just you know can you please come down a couple thousand dollars this company was charging me this but I love the way you do it. and I was like I'm really sorry I can't ended up not booking them um, at all. And like six months later, somebody booked that day for a wedding that was like at Yosemite National Park. And they flew us out and took, it's just the most epic wedding ever. Um, And it was like, I held on and said no to the original couple, which I would have probably had issues with to say yes to the right couple. And so, you know, for people that are doing something um, that's a little more boutique or something like this, saying yes at the beginning, I had to. And I slowly said no more and more and more to where I got to a point. Um, you know, the first six or seven years, I would say yes to anybody that would pay me money because I yeah. needed to eat. But uh, my goal was I'm stopping by right here so I can get to where I want to get to. And so it spirals up. If you're saying no to the, you know, especially in something like wedding videography or wedding photography, let's say no to somebody um, that didn't, you know, wasn't able to pay for what I was going to do for them to say yes to somebody. And that, attracts more people that are willing to say yes to you. And so we just every year have kept raising our prices just to see and people keep booking us. And so it's like, well, maybe I should raise my prices some more, Um, you know, and so we keep pushing the envelope of what we're doing and raising our prices. Um, Another thing too, that when you were talking a second ago, it made me think um, forever. I thought the only way for me to like be successful in business was to have like a huge team. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it was, me keeping up with the Joneses, my version of that was being able to walk into a meeting and be like, yeah, I have 12 employees now. Um, we're going to a, a you know coffee with someone and they're like, what are you up to? And it's like, oh, I've got 
you know, a dozen people working for me right now. And I've got an office manager and a photography manager and a account rep and this and that. And that was kind of, I identified it in the last six, eight months that it was like, I was more focused on building the team than I really was even building um, the profit, you know? And so I, I really switched up a ton um, and the fact that it's like one person, which is me full-time, and then a part-time 20-hour-a-week photographer slash business manager is not the most sexy to tell people that I have now. You know, like, yeah. and it, I, my pride would say, oh, I want to say I have 10, 15, 20 people, um, and that was my measure of success. Whenever this year I will make more profit than I've ever made, um, which that's what it comes down to for me is like, I don't um, – I would much rather have more in the bank account than a good conversation at a coffee or a, a dinner party to tell somebody to impress them. Like, yeah. So that that was a big deal for me is like when I first got going, I thought the only way to show that I was like a big deal or like doing well was how big the team was getting or um, things like that. And I, I mean, I, that just doesn't matter to me anymore. I'm so glad you brought that up because that is definitely a theme that's interwoven in a lot of the conversations that we've had here. Uh, one of the reasons that we created the podcast was to kind of talk to a 10-year younger version of myself uh, and really redefine some of those things, those uh, misconceptions of success. Because for me, success was all about money. It was all about status and it was all about money. And so if I had X amount of dollars in the bank account or at my salary was X amount, um, or I was a president or a CEO or whatever those things, then in my mind, I was going to be a success. So I was always working towards that. But whenever I was working towards that, I realized that in my mind, I was a failure until I achieved that all the time. And it was kind of counterproductive mm -hmm. to what I was trying to do. And a lot of times, like you said, when your pride gets in the way, you're, you're really just focused on this other person's perception of what you should be instead of what God's created you to be or what you've been designed to, to be in, in, in the most successful version of yourself. And I think that sometimes when we, when we get caught up in that, we realize, uh, or we, we don't realize that there's so much more out there for us, but we're so hung up on these little itty bitty details that, that we think are important, but really in the grand scheme of things, it means absolutely nothing because you can be successful mm -hmm. uh, with a happy family um, and with a, a business of one and a half employees, you can probably be that much more satisfied and feeling like you're operating in your purpose than you can with 50 employees mm -hmm. uh, and never seeing your kids and, and, and being divorced or, or, or not having a good relationship with your wife. I would venture to say that in those two scenarios that the, the much less employees and the much less stress and the much more disposable time that you have for yourself, that's a better definition <clears throat> of success. A million percent. Like my inbox has been at one or zero for the last month. Like, I mean, I am not getting behind on things and, you know, you don't think about all the stress that the little red dot on your phone saying 2,500 emails, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, we've streamlined everything down. So my headspace is so much clearer. And what's been really neat with that is that by pairing and trimming things way back, I've been able to see things I wasn't able to see. Mm. We've, I mean, we've, cut down everything, everything that we don't a hundred percent need to make money. We've taken it away. And by doing that and streamlining everything, there's myself and one other employee to communicate to. So I'm saving tons of time, but more than that, like it's giving me the mind space to think big again. And with the knowledge that I now have, I'm able to, um, I'm working on some things that, um, 
um, and really going to be able to generate um, not only more revenue, which is always nice, but more impact with people in my industry um, moving forward, educating people, um, you know, that kind of thing. I've been able to really put together and start to build on an idea, you know, that is going to generate more revenue than anything that I've ever done, which I wouldn't have been able to get to if I was focusing on having my Monday morning meeting with the 10 people on the team and running through who's getting vacation days on this and that. I just felt like I was running with hundred pound weights on my ankles and um, I've slowly just peeled off a couple pounds here or there. And now I just feel like I'm really able to cause the biggest impact that I've ever been able to. And I feel like instead of getting pulled back because I'm doing something wrong, I feel like I'm being pulled back in a slingshot. And so, you know, I keep pulling back and it's like, I can just feel this, um, momentum building and every, you know, every day there's two or three more amazing things that are happening in our worlds. And it's like stacking on top instead of coming to work being like, Oh my goodness, I've got $25,000 of overhead before the month starts with just salaries. And okay, <laughs> let's, you know, and all this weight and this pressure. And so whenever I got out of my own head and out of my own way, um, I was able to be more excellent with the customers that I did have. And I'm able to be able to like really think about the things that will generate the most prosperity for my family and for our business moving forward. I don't plan on always having 1.5 employees, but that's what I needed to do, you know, trim back the pruning before the company, you know, is going to grow even more. So, well, you're setting something up that I definitely want to get into, but I want to uh, circle back real quick on a couple of things. You, you talked about trimming back and, and uh, not being as diversified in some of those things, but um one of the things we're talking about is kind of getting your, yourself to that position where you, you can charge more for your product and, mm-hmm. and really identifying that point. But I want to talk about maybe a little bit different angle of that, which is potentially that you're giving too much away. And I think that that's kind of the other side of it is you have so many things going on or you think that you need to do these things and you almost devalue some of the things mm-hmm. that you're doing that have value to people. And you, you think that, well, if I give this away, if I do this, then I'll get more jobs or whatever else. Uh, did you guys deal with things like that where you were like throwing things in when you did, didn't necessarily need to and it was actually uh, increasing the amount of work and decreasing the amount of time that you had? Oh, yes, um, especially at the beginning. And I, I think there's a level of that that like, um, you know, if you're just stopping by and you're not living in that, um, there's a little bit of that which I, I think is all right when it comes to knowing, you know, and I know weddings. That's what I know. I'm not like the self-proclaimed like super business guy. But in weddings, um, if I know that I'm going to get to film something that's going to, you know, promote me in a way moving forward that, oh, you know, John shot this wedding. Look at this video. Oh, my goodness. That was a beautiful wedding. Um, you know, there were certain things that it's like, hey, I can sweeten the deal and book you today if I throw in this thing. Um, you know, and I, when I first got going, it was like, sure, I'll do it. Like, if you'll say yes, I will literally do everything that I can offer you for, you know, X amount of dollars. Like, as long as you say yes, I will work and bend and do whatever. And I mean, luckily I'm tough because most people would just burn out at that point. I mean, I was doing everything. My first year of full time was 09. And like, we were doing bridal shows. I, you know, like bridal shows are a big deal for us where the, you know, the, Rides come walk through like cattle through this, <laughs> like, and, uh, you know, I hate those things by the way, but anyway, getting going, you know, it's like you go to these bridal shows, you set up a booth and you're, you're there trying to sell. There's annoying people spinning a wheel to win a free this or that. And it's just not my vibe at all. And so 
I burned like 300 DVDs. I printed 300 DVD labels. I did competitions or stamp the labels, hand out these DVDs with our films on it. One bride's going to win a free wedding and just, I mean, like all these things, these giveaways, this work to give away free stuff. But like that was needed for me. I needed that kindling to get going, to get the fire going. So my first year I knew, hey, if I can like get paid for 10 weddings, but shoot 30 weddings, I'll have a lot of work um, like to show. Um, but yeah, I mean, as we kept going and raising our prices, part of raising our prices sometimes was keeping the price the same, but taking things out of the packages that we were selling. Um, yeah. And so now, I mean, when people book us, they get a very simple package and everything else is an a la carte add-on, everything. Mm -hmm. So they get, you know, um, basic coverage of their wedding day in a short film and that's it. If they want anything else, they're paying extra for it. And so um, not only has the price to start gone way up, but like if they want anything, um, they're paying extra for it. And so, I mean, I think that a lot of people just aren't confident because they wouldn't pay for it. Um, so like I wouldn't pay as much for a wedding film as I charge because I'm yeah. like, I just can't get there in my brain. But, um, you know, there are people in my world in Tulsa spending seven figures on their wedding. Yeah. And so it's like, wait a second, if I'm charging 3000 bucks to a person spending a million dollars on their wedding, I'm like 0.3% of their budget. Whenever the standard is somewhere around 20% of the budget is for your video. 10, 20%. So 10% of a million is a hundred thousand dollars for a video. So whenever you're, you know, when it, like my mind trying to wrap around those numbers, sometimes it's like, well, you know, and so anyway, like we have constantly, like I've been confident enough to communicate to people the, the higher prices that we're offering. And it's really like the first time I tasted it, like I was afraid to raise my prices. And I like, at that point, I think we were charging like 2000 or $2,500 for a wedding film, which is, the most I, I think I would ever pay. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and was like, we're going to bump them up to like $4,000, you know? And it's like, let's just see. And like the first person I met with was like, okay, 4,000 is fine. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like all this time I could have, you know, it's like, that's what was my happy price at the time. Like if I can get to 4,000, I'll do all of these things for you. And so it gave me like this adrenaline rush of like, Oh, they see the value in me more than even I saw the value in me. And like getting out of my own head space saying that like, this is the most that I can charge. I was my own lid. And it was like, what do I need to do to get to five or six or whatever the number is? It doesn't really matter. But like, what can I do to provide a higher quality product to charge more? Um, what does that look like? You know, because not everybody is in your headspace, especially if you're going for a more excellent product at a higher end, um, you know, whatever widget it is that you're selling or doing. It's like, you know, there are people that will pay more than you would pay that you can service still. If that makes sense. It does. Actually, in sales, we call that selling out of your own bank account. And it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where like, maybe I wouldn't pay this much for a car. Or maybe I wouldn't pay this much yeah. for uh, uh, a watch or whatever else. But that's because I'm looking at it from my own standpoint. And, right. and is it, I think at some point you have to realize that there's people that put a higher value on these things and there's, they're willing to pay that because, and they want to pay that. They, 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 they think that it's a better, going to be a better quality thing if they pay more. And I think on the opposite side of that, if, if you don't charge enough, then they're not going to want to use you because mm -hmm. they don't think that you're as high, high enough quality. So there's definitely that balance there. And I think, again, you got to get into that mentality of if I'm going to strive for excellence. And I love how you said, that you got to that point and you were like, okay, what do I need to do to make this better? And I think that's, 
I think that's kind of the big takeaway is always add on, always make it better, always strive for that excellence because when you do, it's going to raise that tide and all boats are going to be lifted. You're going to see the results of that in. You're going to have more time. You're going to have a higher quality product. You're going to have a higher quality um, customer that you're going to attract. You're going to, you're going to kind of sort through some of that minutia that you've had to work through to get to that next point, but you have to have that confidence in yourself and that confidence in your product to know that, yeah, I am worth this and I am willing to charge that much. Um, I love how we've tied into that. One thing I do want to talk about, because you definitely have talked about going to that next step. And I think that ties into helping the industry becoming more of a thought leader and more of an expert that you can actually train people to get to that next level. And I think part of that's come from when you have as many employees you, as you do, or as how many as many contract employees that you do, where you are freelance employees that you do, there's something that you have to do to um, train them to shoot it a way that you want it, or uh, in, in some capacity, uh, give them an idea of what your vision is for this, or uh, or how it should be done. And so that's a, that's a tough thing to do because when you have these independent people that you're contracting to do something with, then it's some in some capacity them and not necessarily you. So you've over time tried to communicate this vision of what a, a redeemed productions video and photography package is. And I think you've done that successfully, but now you want to take it a step further to where you want to actually help others in your industry and train and teach them. Talk a little bit about that progression and, and why that's so important for you. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot, like obviously with social media now and with podcasts being so popular um, and everything that we're, you know, we see all the time, we see all these people's highlight reels, um, you know, when we're living in our behind the scenes and seeing their highlight reels. And a lot of people, especially the the 20-somethings right now, um, are just so eager, which is awesome because entrepreneurialism and like entrepreneurship is so like hot right now you know you've got shark tank you've got all these things that just make entrepreneurship so cool um and everybody's like oh i'm a ceo i'm a founder um and they forget just the fact that it's like the idea and execution plus the time equals the success they forget the time part they're like we have an idea and execution let's get funded and now we're rich or whatever and um you know i like laying bricks every single day just one brick at a time one brick at a time moving the needle a little bit a little bit for 11 years to do that, you know, and I talk a lot with these young guys that are starting their wedding video businesses and there's somewhere between 50 and 80,000 wedding videographers in America. It's like, you just wow. never even know, but, um, you know, just talk to these people. It's like, how do I get to where you're at? Like, how do I charge this much for a wedding? And it's like, do exactly what you're doing and add eight years to it. And like, <laughs> that's all, it's all I can tell you, you know, it's like if somebody's bringing in, you know, a celebrity wedding, they're not going to hire you when you're one year into your business. Um, they're just not. And you know, what I've been building for the last decade is a brand and that's more so what's exciting to me is just that branding side of things. And so as I've been doing that, your question about just like where it's going moving forward, um, a lot of people don't want to put in the work. So I'm totally fine with giving them every detail of what I've done because I don't like if they want to, you know, in the Tulsa market, want to compete with me, that's great. There's plenty of weddings happening every week. But um, there's just this thing with people that they just think they're going to buy a camera, they're going to show up, and then they're just going to like make a six figure income. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like that's not going to happen. And so um, I can't, like Facebook, I'm in part of all these groups, different things. Um, 
when people are like, hey, I've been following your work for a long time. You're very successful. Could you teach me how to do what you're doing? And so over time, we've just, um, in the, like I was talking about earlier, having more of a clear mind, we're in the process of building out our own version of curriculum and things and teaching people how to do what we're, you know, we're doing. Cause for me, the most exciting thing that I've been a part of is watching what I've put into place, you know, teaching it to somebody and then they're able to, to help benefit and prosper their family. And so um, I'm not one that thinks that there's one pie. And if I take a piece, you don't get a piece, you know, the pie is never ending. You can, um, we, we can all win. And there's just so many people that are getting married and, you know, in my, my world, it's, I mean, I can only shoot 30 or 40 weddings a year. I'm pretty sure more than that are getting married each year. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I just really have a passion to help people go from the idea, showing them how to execute, you know, over time and then build something that's a brand that's prosperous, that can support them and their families and they can hand it down to their kids or sell it or whatever they want to do. So the education side for me is really important. Um, There's just, a lot of people out there teaching, you know, these are cool camera tricks or these are, you know, different things like that. But they usually come into business and fizzle out within a few years because they don't have like a really solid business. And so teaching people that has been uh, a lot of fun for me. I do a lot of mentoring sessions. People, you know, FaceTime me from all over the country or um, message me and say, hey, can I pay you? For, you know, so I've started just doing that again and again. And I get asked the same questions again and again and again. And it's like, well, I'm going to put all this together and um, really start, you know, showcasing it to the, the wedding video, wedding photo world. Well, I love how you brought up mentorship because that's really what I was thinking of from the very beginning of this is at some point, I believe we, we kind of change as entrepreneurs or as, as, uh, as leaders. And we recognize that one of the reasons that we're at a point of where we are today is because there was people like you that have given back and invested in, in that next generation. So uh, I think when I was first thinking about some of these people that I viewed as successful or kind of the the top of the food chain type of people, I would always think, well, there's no reason that they would talk to somebody like me. There's no reason Mm -hmm. that they would want to interact with some guy who's just getting started. And I love how, as we talk to people in this podcast, and as I interact with people that are, they're so willing to share some of their struggles, share some of their successes and, 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 and really the story of their, their entrepreneurial path, because like you said, it, it, there's no greater satisfaction than being able to help somebody along the way because that's the greater purpose. That's, that's what we're trying to do. Uh, in your industry, there's only so many weddings you can do in a year. Um, in my industry with advertising, there's so many businesses that need help marketing and advertising. Mm-hmm. And to get hung up on the competition side of it, I think competition is important. Oh, yeah. but I think if you have somebody who has humility and a desire to learn and they want to get to that next level – um, I would say, and, and I think you would echo the same thing that, yeah, I absolutely, I want to help you. I want to help you get to that next level because there was people, and there's people right now that are helping me, uh, get to my next level. Uh, you know, that first 20 years, you have so much time that mm-hmm. you're willing to do everything you possibly can. But as you get into your thirties and your forties, you start looking more towards being focused with your time mm-hmm. and then ultimately towards legacy. And, and the sooner that you can get into that and the more people you can help along the way, I think the greater impact you can have. And I think impact and success go hand in hand with a lot of the, the things that we're talking about today because um, you you have a platform which is your successful business or the thing that you do. But now what do you do with that platform to give to the next generation of those coming up? And I think that's what's really important. 100%. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, um, having employees, you know, teaching them how to shoot, how to edit, how to do different things, it's, it's rewarding. 
Um, but you know, my mind is like, how can I impact the next generation of people? And with that comes, you know, if I'm able to help more people, I'm able to make more to be able to help more people. Yeah. And so, you know, to me, uh, I feel, you know, one of the biggest things in, you know, I feel called to do is to help people um, understand how to build wealth and to keep it, you know, and like, I feel like a, like a, not a, a call, but like, I feel like a, this desire to make sure that like, if I can help you make a couple tweaks in your business and you could make, you know, 10,000 extra dollars this year, that would change your life. Like I love helping people see that kind of a thing. And so, um, you know, it's always really fun for me. I just met with a guy that's local here in town the other day. I bought him a cup of coffee and we just talked and he's one year into wedding filming. And I just opened up our playbook and said, here's what we do. And he was just like, you know, jaw dropping <laughs> on the floor. It's like, thank you so much. I sent him our link to our pricing, our packages, everything that we do. It's like, if you need anything, I'm not worried. You know, I'm 10 years ahead. If, if I'm not worried if he's going to steal some weddings from me or anything like that. And even if somebody does book him, that's great. Somebody else will book me, you know? And, um, I think the perception, like you were saying, is that like, Oh, it's a big, big time business owner. They're too big to help or, and, and, you know, business owners get a bad rap. I think so in, in this country that we're bad or something and that we're just keeping all the money and, and all this stuff. And, and that's not the case, you know, like more and more people that I talk to that are CEOs and that have become friends, it's like the more like they're the most generous people that I know and, you know, a mm. few bad apples, but um, the majority of us, you know, especially in small towns, you know, like Tulsa, it's like the community aspect of it to me is way more important than the competition side of it. I know that's kind of cliche, but like, I mean, I really do push for the community side and just to see the gratefulness of these people whenever I'm communicating with them about their business and how to help them. And, you know, being in the wedding industry, I talked to lots of different kinds of business people, cake makers and florists and, you know, and have helped and met with and consulted with lots of different companies that are doing things that just little tweaks that have generated them 10% more money that year. And so, um, you know, there's never been a time where it's been like I'm hiding a part of what I do to like make sure that that other person doesn't beat me. So if you are younger and you're listening, it's like it is more flattering than anything if somebody reaches out to you as a small business owner, you know, now in my thirties, somebody, you know, last week, somebody from a college was like, Hey, I've been following you for years. I need to do an interview for a class. It's like, I gladly took 30 minutes and just answered questions and helped. And, um, you know, that kind of thing really wasn't available, you know, especially with the internet and being able to do what we can do now, you can reach out to anybody that you're inspired by and see if there's somebody you can talk to from, Nike or see if there's somebody you can talk to from, you know, Snapchat or whatever it is that you're excited about. And most likely you'll get, you know, a call, you'll get to talk to somebody. So. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to, to speak to us, uh, to speak to my audience. It's, it's always an honor uh, to have uh, different people in the community that, that have that abundance mentality uh, on as, as examples that we can highlight and we can share uh, with, with our audience. Um, so thank you for doing that. Uh, I always like to give my guests a, an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. This is uh, kind of our way to kind of give you the platform, give you the microphone to really speak to that next generation of business leaders that's coming up. They're listening to the podcast. They're obviously tuned in because they, they want to grow themselves as leaders in their homes and their families and in their business. And so we always want to give you an opportunity to speak directly to them. So John, what would you say your message is to young business leaders? Yeah. I mean, if I were talking to a 23-year-old version of me, I would 
reiterate no corner cutting, number one. So we don't ever cut corners, especially in our business, our taxes, anything like that. <laughs> There's no cutting of corners. Always do the right thing. Always make decisions that are going to make you happy. You made them five years from now. Um, and if you keep doing that, um, you're going to be just fine. The other thing is that time is the missing factor. We talked about it earlier, but a lot of people have been conditioned with uh, society now, you know, Amazon Prime, to get it right now and to build something successful, you have to be willing to continue to grow for years and years um, and just taking the time and over time when you do things right and you take care of people and you don't cut corners sooner or later, good things start happening. And so um, it's boring and it sounds like an old guy talking, but, it, but <laughs> that's just the truth. I wouldn't um, change anything about what I've done. You know, we've never cut corners and anytime we realized anything wasn't, you know, being done exactly the way it should be done. We always fixed it and corrected it, but always being willing to learn from others, always being able to um, just take that, you know, that next step into making your business better and, and making your product better. You can never stop, you know, getting better or you're going to go out of business. And so I'm um, just taking that time, you know, time's the thing, no corner cutting. Um, if anybody ever, you know, wants to reach out to chat with me, I mean, that's, you know, I'm always up for that kind of a thing. Well, awesome, John. I appreciate you taking your time to speak to our audience uh, and to share your message to young business leaders. Uh, listeners, remember, choose to connect, seek development, and be inspired. We'll catch you on the next podcast. Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.